2 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll start reading in verse number 1. Don't lose sight of the goal. Somebody's been in my notes. There's a long hair. I always know that's not me. Second Timothy, this is Paul's swan song, as they say. This chapter will be the last chapter that he will write as he is in a dungeon, the Mamertine dungeon there in Rome, and he will be executed. He will be beheaded. The reason Paul was beheaded and well, it's for instance, the disciples, they were not. Uh, some of them were crucified different ways. Uh, they were killed. Um, the reason Paul was not crucified was because he was a Roman citizen. A Roman citizen could not be crucified. That's the reason. Uh, that's how he died. But these will be the last words that he will pen. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, resort, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. See, there's a lot of different ways to preach. Not all preaching is reproving and not all preaching is rebuking. Not all preaching is exhorting. Uh, the exhorting part, that's, that's the fun part, of course. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Father, I am believing, Lord, that this, this word will not fall upon hard ground, but God is going to fall upon ground that is willing to take in this seed, and God is going to germinate within a person's life, and God is going to bear forth fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. In Jesus' name we're praying, amen. Don't lose sight of the goal. Paul says these three statements that have been used over and over and over and over again. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I do not think he's giving three sentences about the same thing. I think he's talking about three separate things. That's why he divvies it up like this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Basketball season is now ended. When I was a kid, nothing was greater than basketball. Not so much anymore. And I've never been an extravagant, over-the-top fan, baseball fan, like my grandmother. And I must clarify that, or I'll hear back from her later, a cardinal baseball fan. But to me, the, of all sports that best typifies what life is like, to me anyway, is the sport of football. Because it don't matter, a guy could be the greatest quarterback on earth, 
But if he doesn't have a front line that's willing to give up their lives for him, he ain't going to do very good as a quarterback. So what football shows me is total cooperation. And it's just like you've got 11 men on that team that's wanting to go and wanting to succeed, you've got 11 guys on the other team that just soon that didn't happen. It's really, to me, like life. What, let me give you a trivia question here. What's the first purpose of a football team? People were supposed to give different wrong answers <laughs> before my brother gave the right answer, which he is exactly right. A first down. It is not to throw for a touchdown. That's not the goal. The goal is to get a first down. You have, you have four downs to be able to go 10 yards. You want to get that, you want to be able to go that 10 yards. And after you went there, then you can go 10 more yards. And after that, you go 10 more yards. And after that, you're able to eventually score the touchdown. Not throwing the Hail Mary because any team that does that is going to lose. You can't have your whole team and the whole game plan made up of, hopefully we'll get lucky and we'll throw one and when we'll win the game. No, it is a matter of doing little things right and getting the first down. If a pastor starts pastoring a church and it's got 50 people in the congregation and you ask him what his goal is and his goal is, I want to get 500 people in this church. Wrong answer. He needs to try to get 75. And then after that, he needs to try to get 100. And then after that, he needs to try to get 150. It's based upon first downs, getting first down, not throwing the Hail Mary pass, but getting first downs. Steve Jobs, George uh, Thomason mentioned this a few weeks in staff meeting. Steve Jobs says, and who's Steve Jobs? The Apple guy. Steve Jobs says a goal is a dream with a deadline. I don't know how you improve on that statement. A goal is a dream with a deadline. There are people out there dreaming of great things. They never put a deadline on it, and it's a dream all of their life. My dad told me from when I was a little bitty kid, Mark, you are a dreamer. I believe that is true. I sit around dreaming about doing things all the time. But then what we try to do is we try to put some type of a plan in place and then we try to put a deadline upon that and hopefully with God's help, these things will happen. You all know this last one. The state from the time, and this is the first time in all my life of pastoring I've ever had to deal with the state. That they are nothing but bummers. <laughs> Never had to deal with anything like this. We don't need a six-inch six sewage pipe here in Orchardville. We really don't. Archie Butcher said that's what they put in Super Walmart. <laughs> we don't need that here. But from the time that they give us the go-ahead, you can now start your project on building the camp dorm. 
from the time that happened until Sunday when we first walked in there and able to have that on that Sunday afternoon was how many days? 52 days. The same amount of time that Nehemiah had to build and to complete the walls around the city of Jerusalem. 52 days. We knew that we had a deadline. It wasn't, well, willy-nilly, and maybe if it happens, it happens. And if not, well, you know, whatever. Uh, good luck next time. Uh, maybe we'll know better next time. Maybe we should have given the state more time. On, 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 it goes. We had a deadline, and we had to make it work had a deadline, and we had to make it work. A goal is a dream with a deadline. Building the bunk beds, we had a goal, and there was a deadline, and, and once again with George, he, he got everything together, and he made the jig and did all those things, and we was able to have all of the bunk beds. How many enjoyed the bunk beds? How many enjoyed the bunk beds? There you got better hands. All right, all right. Don't clap for them. If, if you're clapping and you didn't stay on the bunk bed, don't be clapping for them. It's the ones that was on the bunk beds. You could have been on the concrete. Oh, no, you could have been on the concrete because the state wouldn't allow that. We got to protect mommy's little biscuit eater. <clears throat> Paul is saying, fight a good fight. He's saying, I'm in the game. I'm in the game. When he said, I finished my course, he's saying, I got the first down over and over and over and over and over and over with Rome trying to stop him, with Judaizers trying to stop him, with his own people trying to stop him, with, with uh, barbarians trying to stop him. He still was able to finish the course. He got, he was able to go exactly what God wanted him to do, and he was able to keep the faith. He's saying, and then I scored the goal. Thank God. Thank God. I believe uh, anything can be done if you just do it in bite-sized portions. How do you eat the elephant? One bite at a time. This is a story about four people. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to do, and everybody was asked to do it. Who was asked? Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Nobody did it. Who did it? Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it. But nobody realized that everybody would not do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when actually nobody asked anybody. <clears throat> Today, I'm not asking everybody. I'm not asking somebody. I'm not asking anybody. I'm not asking nobody. I'm asking you to get involved in the work that God wants to do here at Orchardville Church. Well, Orchardville Church, they, they just don't need me. You got a hole in your head. 
And whatever you're passionate about, if that same passion and that same equivalency of passion was, was delved right into the work of God, it would be phenomenal what this church could see happen year by year. It would. It would. In Judges 5, there's a city that what happened was the children of Israel was being chased by another tribe, another group of people, and they came through a pass. And all that had to be done as the city people on top of was the name of Miraz, as they looked down and seen what was going on, all they had to do was throw a few rocks over into a ravine after the children of Israel had raced through there, and there was no way those other peoples could be able to attack the children of Israel. They stood by and watched and did nothing. Here's what the angel of God said to them. Curse you. Miraz said the angel of the Lord, curse you bitterly, the inhabitants thereof, because you came not to the help of the Lord. Oh, well, I don't want to get involved. Oh, well, might mess up my day. Oh, well, I got other things to do. Oh, well, gun smoke's on. Oh, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Oh, well, you know, who, who wants to get involved anymore? And the angel of the Lord cursed them and cursed them bitterly. Not because they done some evil, not because they got drunk and had sex with somebody else's wife. No, because they didn't get involved. Oh, well, I don't know. One woman got involved. Her name, thank God for women. Yeah, yeah. One woman got, in, got involved. Jail. Jail was her name. And the people that is after the children of Israel, their general was a guy by the name of Sisera. And everybody terrified of Sisera. And Sisera, as he is at a mad dash trying to be able to defeat the people of God, and then the tables turn, and now Sisera is on the run, and he finds a lodging place, and he finds a place in this woman's tent, and runs in and says, I'm going to hide here. You need to fix me something to eat. And she said, would you like some milk? Warmed up milk. I never have got over, I don't, uh, that's another deal. I don't, never was big on that. And gives him some warmed up milk and Sisera goes to sleep. Well, I don't know if I want to get involved. No, I just don't know. Well, somebody else can do it. I'm a woman. I don't know if I could do that or not. This is a man's world. That's a man's job. I mean, a man should have already killed this guy. I know he's the, I know he's the enemy of God and he wants to defeat all of us. But, you know, should I really get involved here? She didn't have any one of those thoughts. The Bible says she picked up a tent peg, and while Sisera is sound asleep, she puts the nail on this side of his temple <laughs> and takes the mallet and kawhammy. And he woke up dead. J.L. with her nail done something. <laughs> she got involved. A few years back, I preached a message about let George do it. To where everything was going on. We, well, you know, we let George do it. Well, have George do it. George knows how to fix it. Let George do it. 
And it's like, well, I just said, well, wait a minute. We just can't keep saying this. And I looked it up. That is an old, old saying. King Henry VIII said that originally. And he had a guy by the name of George. And he'd say, well, let George do it. And then Ronald Reagan, he picked up on the same theme. They said, who's going to, something about his administration. He said, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to let George do it. Talking about George 41, George Bush 41. In a church like this, I think the enemy uses the thought of, oh, somebody else will do it. Don't fall for that. We need your help. We need your help. You won't get by in judgment day by saying, well, we'll just let George do it. I figured George would do it. No, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to work. Tithing. Well, we figured George would do it. George, you can't do all of it, can you, George? No, no. See, he's going, no. No. And on tithing, it's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. And I know I hear this all the time. Preacher, the people just don't get it. They they need more teaching about tithing. I mean, you know, they need to be coddled and they need to be propped up. And, you know, they need to be educated on this. And they just don't get it. They don't want to get it. (laughs) You go into McDonald's and you order your quarter pounder with cheese and your, they got this new pie out, this strawberry with uh, cream on one side and the strawberry on the other. It's a real nice pie. You order your double pounder with cheese and that special new pie and then whatever you're drinking there and all of that and your fries, and then you just decide, well, you know, um, I just want to have this giving part figured out and you just walk out the building. And, you, and they don't get your license and you come back and, and the next week you're going to do the same thing. Sooner or later, they're going to come after you. I just don't have it figured out. If you make $200... You pay 20. $400, you pay 40. 500, boy, now you really get the cipher in there. 50. Preacher, they just don't get it. If you make 600, then it's. If they make 700, then it's. Yeah, but preacher, just so hard. I mean, uh, the, the, the Gazentas, like, uh, uh, who was it said that? Huh? Who was it? Who was it? Jethro, that's right. The, the Gazentas, you know, Gazenta this and Gazenta that. Gazenta. It ain't that hard. It ain't that hard. And I just kind of, it kind of galls me when I have to hear that. About, you know, the preacher, I mean, they just, don't, they, don't, they, just, they just don't understand it. They just don't get it. They want to be able to walk in and be a part of what's going on corporately to enjoy the music, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the power of God, enjoy the Holy Spirit's presence among, among us as we corporately worship, enjoy, the, enjoy John and, and, and Jane. And you know, here a while back, I mentioned about, uh, somebody mentioned John and Jane, and I said, yeah, they're like Ken and Barb. <laughs> I said, John and Jane's like Ken and Barbie, and me and Kay were like the Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> 
1920, in the Olympics, a guy by the name of Charlie Paddock won the gold medal in running. Eight years later, he told Jesse Owens, a young man, you can win a gold medal. 1936 Olympics, you all seen the footage? It's great with Jesse Owens being given that gold medal in the presence of Adolf Hitler. It's so good. It's so good. Jesse Owens tells a skinny little boy with the name of Bones Dillard, you can win a gold medal. Bones Dillard won four gold medals. And I think all that happened because somebody spoke into them, you can do that. You can do that. I will never finish first. I never have. I've never been a fast runner. I've never been a quick starter. I've never had any of that going for me. I will never finish first, but you can mark it down. I will finish. We built that first building, in, uh, in which is now the teens. We, after that, we built a second building, which was the Sunday school rooms. After that, we built the third building, which was the sanctuary where the kids' church is at. After that, we built the fourth building, which was this 20,000-square-foot building. After that, we built the fifth building, which was the Ranger building, now called the Boss Building. And the, after that, the sixth building was the Girls of Grace because it wasn't fair because the boys had something, the girls had to have something. And then the seventh building was the Centralia Branch. After that... The eighth building was adding on, uh, doubling the size of Centralia Branch. After that, the ninth building was Fairfield Branch. After that, the tenth building was the Boss Building at the Fairfield Branch. And after that, the eleventh thing that we've done was Camp Orchardville. I'm telling you, it's not if you're good enough. It's not how smart you are. It's not if you're educated. It's not how handsome you are. It's if you're going to set the goal and get the first down and get another 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 first down and do the little things right and get another first down and do the little things right and get another first down and another first down and eventually you score the touchdown. That's how this thing works. I had a guy tell me one time, well, preacher, I'll just say this, you're not so hot. You know, God didn't say he'd pour out water on those that's hot. <laughs> or I'll pour out water on those that's, that's handsome. He said, I'll pour out water on him that is thirsty. You know, thank God for Spurgeon and Moody and Jonathan Edwards and Tory and Finney and, 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 and uh, uh, Wesley and, and Billy Sunday and all of them great guys. But they all got one thing in common. They all in heaven right now. God's got to work through somebody else. God's got to work through me and you. In Reuben's chapter, or in Numbers chapter 32, there's three tribes that did not cross the Jordan River. One's Reuben, the other's Gad, the other is Manasseh. They're borderline believers. They got right up to it. The promised land's there, and they didn't step over and go into the promised land. They stayed right here. Illustration I've used a number of times, and I know Wilford used it more times than I have, but Wilford had told Shannon, his boy at the time, who was, who was this high, I don't just say he's 10, I don't remember exactly how old he was, but uh, 
uh, he'd got into it with the neighborhood boy, and there'd been an incident there a time or two, and finally Wilford said, no more. You're not going in their yard, no more. You stay out of their yard. Wilford said, I drove home from work, and said, there Shannon is. He's in the yard playing with the, with the neighborhood kid. And said, the moment Shannon sees me, you know, he fr just freezes, and then he decides to walk over to see what dad's going to do. And Wilford said, Shannon, I've told you. Why would you have done that? He said, Dad, I was playing in my yard. We were just real close. He was in his yard. He was in mine. I was in mine. And he pulled me over into his yard. And I thought, well, while I'm there, I might as well go ahead and play while I'm here. <laughs> That's how a lot of Christian believers are. They're just borderline. They're just borderline. How many times has somebody, a Christian, come up to me and said, Preacher, do you think this is wrong? What's going on there? <laughs> we all know what's going on there. What can I get by with? What can I get away with? A borderline right here. I decided something. No, I'm going to let that go. Because uh, you've heard me harp on that before. I want you to go to Numbers chapter 13. Besides that, I'm out of time. Numbers 13. Numbers 13, 26, 27, 28. Don't lose sight of the goal. Don't lose sight of the goal. Don't lose sight of the goal. And in Numbers 13, verse 26, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron. These were the spies that were sent out to spy out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of children of Israel. And they brought back word unto them and showed them the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. You all seen the children's books what the grapes of Eshcol looked like. They were bigger than a man's head, although it never does say that, I don't think. But it always shows these grapes just being huge. I remember Mike Bookout preaching a message one time, and he had these balloons, and they was all purple or grape-like balloons, and, and they were carrying them on their shoulders. Look what happens here in this next verse. They told him and said, we came to the land, whether you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. The teacher asked little children in her class, what would it be like a land flowing with milk and honey? And one kid said, really sticky. <laughs> yeah. It flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. But the people be strong with dwelling in that land. And the walls are so high that encircle around the cities. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and they are giants. They lost sight. God told him this land was theirs. He put the bounty of it in their hands, and then they said, but the people be strong in that land. In pastoring for 25 years, I have confronted numerous buts in my ministry. 
I have confronted big butts and little butts, plain butts and dressed up butts, fancy butts, not so fancy butts, but the people be strong in that land. But the cities got walls around them. But the children of Israel, we have no way of conquering a people of Anak that are giants over nine feet tall. How can we do any of these things? And this is what they did. They talked themselves out of it. How many times people have talked themselves out of it because of a but? Oh, I'd do it. I'd teach a class, but I'm just way so busy, preacher. I'd do it, but my kids is involved in so much, and I just don't know if I can do it or not. But, but, but. And those people, the Bible says, perished in the wilderness. Their butts got in the way. And they lost out. But there was one guy in that group that said, actually two, but one was a spokesman. Caleb says, Everything they said is right. But then he says, we are well able to overcome all of these obstacles because our God is bigger. And an interesting thing to me, and you hardly ever hear anybody bring this out, they said, we are in their sight as grasshoppers. Did they go ask those people? They did not. They are, they are transposing. They are, that's not the right word. They are hmm, mirroring what they feel about themselves. They figure everybody else feels the same way about them as well. Don't lose sight of the goal. Forty years later, after them having wandered in the wilderness... And they was over here, and you look on a map, and they're here for a while, and then they go over here a mile, and they're here for a while, and they go over here a mile, and they're here for a while. And they did that for 40 years. The reason they had to constantly be moving? To bury the dead. The unbelief was dying out. And now Caleb and Joshua, that was two of the 12 that went into the land as spies. And now they are the ones that remain with all the rest of the Israelites that had not been uh, tarnished or blemished by that unbelief. Now they are the ones that's walking in through the promised land and fighting the victory. And this is the man by the name of Caleb saying, give me that mountain. It's mine. I've been thinking about it for 40 years. I've not lost sight of the goal. It's mine. I'm going to take it. I like that kind of attitude. Not, well, I knew it, but it's just so hard. I tithe, but, you know, how am I going to pay for my uh, 
cigarettes and my and my lotto tickets. <laughs> George told me one time, and this is this is the message about George, all the things that he's told me. Um, <laughs> He, was, he didn't mention who it was. He said uh, he was in line at a, at a store, and he said, man, these people, they had, they had uh, uh, everything under the sun that they was paying for. And he said, I know them. I've talked to them. They'd been here at the church wanting help at one time or another and had, had, all, had money to buy all this other stuff, but they don't have no money to go pay no tithe. That's upside down. That's upside down. That's upside down. Oh, boy. They lost sight of the goal, and they perished in the wilderness. Let's don't be a borderline believer. Amen? It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.